Mark 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hands, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked, him, asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Well, great to be together. Good to see your faces. I like to, I, get, I just see your backside for the first half of the service, so I like to just kind of take you in for a second. See who's here. Note who's not here. Make some phone calls this afternoon. Um, good to be together. So um, this is week three on this conversation on the Sabbath. This is our final week talking about uh, the Sabbath. And so I want to really try to move us towards um, some really tangible next steps that we can take uh, in terms of engaging in Sabbath. So far, we've talked about the Sabbath, not so much as a command, but as this great gift. Uh, we have this creator who's a, who's a father who knows how to give good gifts to his kids. And Sabbath was a gift built into the creation account itself. And so we talked on week one, it's this gift given for our rest and our refreshment and our joy and our gratitude. And I think we all need that in today's world. And this last week we talked about Sabbath as a day of freedom also. It's a day to remember that we are the freed children of God, and it's actually a day to declare our freedom from some of the cultural idols that we have to deal with for six days of the week. We get to kind of shut those down and remember what's most important about us is that we're God's children. And so I thought we would end this conversation on Sabbath most appropriately by looking at the master himself, by looking at Jesus and how he engaged the Sabbath, what he did on the Sabbath. And we'll look at him for a couple minutes and then we'll ask, what could that mean for us? If we're followers of Jesus, what could a Sabbath day, how do we follow in his footsteps on the Sabbath today? So uh, let's start with Jesus. Let me just start by saying it is a historical fact that some of the things that Jesus said and did were a significant part of what got him killed. Okay? And you hear that in this passage, right? It ends in verse 6, uh, chapter 3. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus because of things he said and did on the Sabbath. And so I want to just get us inside of that for a second, give you a, a little context of what, what's the big deal. So, you know, we've been talking about Sabbath as this, 
as this great gift that God gave humanity and that God gave then to Israel. But what you need to know is that over the centuries in Israel, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, that gift had been distorted in some significant ways. And you kind of need to know why. So here's what happened. God gives Israel the land, right? This is back through Moses, come out. We talked about freedom from, from slavery in Egypt, came out into the promised land. Uh, gave them the Sabbath, and gave them the Torah, the law. And what happened is over a course of centuries, Israel did not obey God's law, including the command to obey the Sabbath. They kept working every day. They wanted to make more money, but they didn't obey God's law. And just as God said would happen if they disobeyed him, it happened after centuries of patience. Finally, God brought in foreign nations, and they conquered Israel and carried them into exile. They became slaves again, not this time in Egypt, but in Babylon and Assyria. And so when the Israelites were able to come back, a remnant returned, there was a group of leaders over the course of the next few centuries that said, you know what happened before? That can never happen again. We can't let that happen. So we need to make sure that we keep the Torah, including and especially we need to honor the Sabbath because we got sent into exile for not honoring the Sabbath. So by the first century, you have a group of religious leaders that are working really hard to make sure that everyone keeps the Sabbath. And here's what they did. They built up all these rules and regulations around the Sabbath. So if you read the Old Testament itself, there's not that much detail about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. It's pretty just a basic principle. But they built up all these rules and regulations. And the the question they were most interested in is this. What would constitute work on the Sabbath? Because we've got to make sure people don't do that. So... They came up with a list of over 1,500 activities you could not do on the Sabbath. For instance, they had a, a, a detailed account of how many steps you could take before you had started working on the Sabbath. How many letters of the alphabet you could write before you had started working on Sabbath. How many knots you could tie. How much weight you could carry. They had built up all these rules and regulations around this good gift that God had given them. All right, so Jesus comes onto the scene in that context, okay? And, of course, he's, he's breaking all of their rules on the Sabbath. Uh, and sometimes just because he wants to heal someone, but sometimes intentionally, and I would say even provocatively so, right? In that second account, like, he has the guy stand up. I mean, it's kind of provocative, right? Uh, and he's just breaking all the rules, and it's frustrating them. They, they can't stand up. There's a great, in Luke 13, there's this great scene where uh, the, the synagogue leader, after Jesus heals someone, he tells all the people, guys, there's six days of work. Come and get healed on those six days, Okay. Stop getting healed on the Sabbath. You have six other days in the week. So he, he is, you know, he's just breaking all their rules. And that's what we see in these two scenes, right? So uh, beginning in verse 23, you have uh, the disciples and Jesus going through the fields. And, right, the disciples are picking some heads of grain, mashing up and eating it. So they're, they're harvesting, right? They're, they're harvesting and eating. Well, harvesting is what laborers do on the other six days. That's a work. You shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. And the second... One, of course, Jesus heals somebody, and healing is definitely work, uh, so you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. And uh, Jesus begins his response in verse 25. Take a look at verse 25. We're not gonna, I'm not going to go into detail, but he, he reminds them of this story in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel, of David and his companions. And just to, I'm not even going to go into the details of it, but what he's reminding them is, hey, even in the law itself, real human need always supersedes ceremonial regulations. And he shows that through a story of David, okay? And then, here's what I really want to lean into this morning. Then he goes to verse 27, and he makes two comments that, in my mind, are kind of Jesus' definitive comments about Sabbath, all right? Let me read these two verses. 
Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So let me, let me just talk you through these two, two statements. Let me start with the, uh, the second one, actually. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay, that would have sounded to his hearers like an absolutely preposterous claim. Okay, to the religious leaders, Lord, there is one Lord of the Sabbath. It's the God who created the Sabbath, right? Who do you claim to be? To, we know who the Lord of the Sabbath is. The, it's comments like these that get Jesus killed, right? But through faith, of course, we believe this is entirely true. We believe that Jesus is actually Lord of the universe. And if he's Lord of the universe, then he's certainly also Lord of the Sabbath. And what I think this means, the fact that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, is a couple things. First, it means this. It means if he's Lord of the Sabbath, then his interpretation of Sabbath is authoritative. It's the definitive interpretation. He, he has the authority to, to uh, kind of explain to us what God's intention for Sabbath was from the beginning. right? His view on the Sabbath is going to be the definitive view that everyone should hold if he's Lord of the Sabbath. So it definitely means that. And I think it also means this. The way he observes the Sabbath is now the definitive example for human beings. I mean, if, if he's Lord of the Sabbath, then how he observes Sabbath is going to be the way that every one of his servants should also observe the Sabbath. So his view is definitive, and his practice of Sabbath is definitive. So my own view, and we could argue this after, I actually don't think Jesus ever broke the Sabbath. He certainly broke all the rules and regulations that the first century leaders had, had come up with, but I don't think he, I think he honored the Sabbath. I think he engaged the Sabbath precisely as God, his Father, intended human beings to engage the Sabbath, okay? So he's Lord. His view is definitive. His, I would argue, his practice of it is definitive. So here's the question. What does the Lord of the Sabbath have to say about the Sabbath. And let's go back to that first line. And this is where I really want to hone in this morning. Here's Jesus' statement. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. This, to me, sums up Jesus' view on the Sabbath. And if I could leave Jesus' followers with a line about the Sabbath, it's this one. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. He's reminding us, of course, of the creation account that we've looked at over the last couple weeks. And he's reminding us, hey, remember the creation account? It doesn't go like this. In the beginning, God created a day called the Sabbath. And then after that, he created these creatures, and their purpose was to honor the day that God had created. Right? That's not how the story goes. No, we know the story. God created this beautiful world, and then he created these creatures, and then he created these image bearers in six days, right? Who bore his image, the pinnacle of his creation, and then he creates a day, and the purpose of that day is to give rest and refreshment and joy and gratitude to his creatures. That's how the creation account goes. And, of course, it's not just the order of creation, but, but Jesus is saying that is the priority, right? God prioritizes human beings made in his image. This day exists to bless them and refresh them. And the first century religious leaders of the day had gotten that upside down. And in their fear of, you know, breaking God's laws, they had made Sabbath. This day is the thing that's holy. This is the most important thing. And human beings need to make sure 
They honor the state, whatever that might require them to do or not do. Sabbath is first, and human beings need to figure out how to honor the day. And Jesus says, no, 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 human beings are first. The Sabbath is a gift given to human beings to refresh, to bring freedom. And that perspective shapes, I think, everything that Jesus did on the Sabbath. All the, all the recordings that we have of how he engaged Sabbath is shaped by this idea, right? I mean, think about this. So if Sabbath is a day intended to give rest to human beings, then what better way to honor the Sabbath than to give rest to this person who has struggled with a shriveled hand for however many years, right? What a wonderful way to honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day to bring freedom to people, to celebrate freedom. And what a better way to honor the Sabbath than to bring freedom to someone who's been suffering from demonic oppression or something like that. Again, in, in Luke 13, um, Jesus, uh, he heals this woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit for 18 years, frees her from that. And he says, should not this woman be set free on the Sabbath day, the day of freedom? Right? That, that's not a violation of Sabbath. That is the, the best possible way you could ever honor the Sabbath is to bring rest and freedom to the human beings around you. And that's what Jesus does because the Sabbath was made for human beings, not vice versa. In Matthew's version of, of these two stories, Matthew includes another statement that Jesus makes to the religious leaders. He says this. He says, I want you guys to go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. And he's pointing them back to the law that they say they believe in, to the prophets. Uh, he's, he's pointing them back to Hosea 6.6. 6. Here's the full quote. This is God speaking. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And Jesus is reminding the religious leaders, what kind of people is God after on Sabbath or any day? And so he's saying, God's priority is not sacrifice, in this case, meaning ceremonial regulations, external observance to the law. God's desire, his heart for his people, is that they would be people of mercy, that they would have these hearts of compassion and, and this big-hearted love for those around them, because that's fundamentally who our God is. He is a God of mercy and compassion and love, and that is his priority. He desires people of mercy, not of ceremonial regulations and rules. And that's what we see in Jesus in the Sabbath. We see a guy who enters the day of rest and freedom, looking around him at the opportunities. How can I be merciful today? How can I bring rest and refreshment to the human beings around me? He, he practices what I, I often call relational hospitality on the Sabbath. You see him taking people in on the Sabbath, taking in people and their needs and going, how can I be helpful? How can I bring you rest? How can I bring you refreshment? How can I bring you freedom? That's not violating Sabbath. That is the best possible way to honor this day of rest and refreshment and freedom. Make sense? Okay, so that's Jesus in action on the Sabbath, his definitive words regarding the Sabbath. So, Let's talk about ourselves. This is, I've got one last day to draw out implications for how we might engage a Sabbath. Let me just put that slide back up. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. Uh, for the first two weeks, what I've been trying to say to you is what's so great is we get to apply that verse to ourselves, okay? We get to ask the question, how could this day be a day of refreshment for me? 
And, and I, I, have, I said this, I think, in week one, but as I've talked to people about the Sabbath over the years, I'm struck by the negative gut level image that many people have of, of the Sabbath, that it feels like this day of obligation or this day that I'm supposed to be like a, a more spiritual version of myself than I know I really am. And what I've been trying to invite us into is something different. It's like, no, of all days, this is the day where you have God's explicit permission to ask the question, what would be refreshing and life-giving for me today? And you get to answer that question. Like Sabbath is the day where you get to be refreshingly human and experience rest and freedom. Because the day was made for you, you weren't made for the day, okay? So we get to, we get to apply this to ourselves. But what I want to say today, what I wanna, where I want to kind of turn our final thoughts on Sabbath, is we also get to apply this to one another, to those around us, to ask the question, how can this be that for one another? Because ultimately, Sabbath is actually not a day for individuals. Uh, and I hate saying that because I'm an introvert. Um, but Sabbath is a day for community. And so the temptation would be to kind of dial in the perfect Sabbath for myself. Right? I mean, that, if you guys start to experiment with Sabbath, that's, that is a temptation. And I kind of like that in a sense. But um, on this day, we want to ask the question for one another. Like, how can I be a, how can I bring rest and refreshment and freedom to those around me on the day of freedom? So let me put this, this is the question I want to leave you with in this series. How can I bring rest, refreshment, and freedom to those around me? And I want to just kind of draw this out a little bit. And I want to start, um, when we talk about those around me, let's just start with those closest to us. Okay, and this is where this is going to get real in just a second. Um, how can I be a, a restful, refreshing presence for those around me? Um, let's, I'll give a couple categories. Um, families. Let's start with those we live with, okay? Um, I'll start with spouses. Those of us who are married or if you're not roommates, okay? How can I bring rest and refreshment and freedom to my spouse on a Sabbath? Okay? How can I be a refreshing presence for him or her? And let me just kind of tease this out a little bit. I think many of us, when we get into a marriage, um, truth is we have some high expectations on our spouses, right? We have um, things that we want to see them do. And as we live with them longer, and this can be true of roommates as well, but I think especially as spouses, uh, we find things about them that we don't particularly like. And over time, we can become critical of them. We can be disappointed in them. Uh, we can be resentful of them, and we can live in our marriages with that posture. And sometimes it's stated and sometimes it's unstated, but we bring, it's very easy to be, start to bring this critical, high expectation on our spouses, and, and they know that, and they experience that. And you know what? They experience that as a weight, as a yoke, and we talked about yokes last week. And so the question to ask on the Sabbath is this. What would it look like to free my spouse from that yoke on the Sabbath? Like, what would it look like just to, to let go of the criticism and the expectations and do something entirely different, which is just spend the day enjoying them? Sabbath is a day to enjoy our spouses. Sabbath is a day to focus on the 80% about them that is really good and great and the reason we married them and not the other 20%. Okay, Sabbath is a day to remember why we got married in the first place. Okay, Save the criticism for the other six days. Okay, 
Sabbath is a day to bring rest and refreshment to our spouses from that posture we have towards one another. So let me just get real personal for a second, okay? So it turns out I've been married, I don't know, it's been 13 years, and I um, have lived most of my marriage with some really high expectations on my spouse that were that I wasn't even fully aware of, okay? And looking back, I basically, I wanted her to be good at all the things that I'm good at, and I wanted her to be good at all the things I'm bad at, okay? And, um, and I'm a pretty, I think of myself as a pretty gracious guy. Like, if you walked in my home, you would not hear words of criticism coming out of my mouth towards my spouse, but it is subtle. And I think I put a lot on myself and the person that I'm married to. So she gets the expectations on myself, and I think that's often the case in marriage. And so for years, she has felt that. She has felt, I feel like I don't live up to who you think I'm supposed to be. I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, and it turns out it was true. So last year, this is right before COVID. This is the most profound thing that God did in my life in 2020, even more than the pandemic. So I, I try to get away once every month or two, like a half day. I call it my half day with Jesus. And I go down to Laguna for the morning until like through lunch. And then I work the second, second half of the day. And so I'm, I'm walking uh, uh, one of the, in Shaw's Cove in, in Laguna, beautiful morning. And um, I, I happen to be in my Bible and I happen to be in Ephesians 5, which is wives and husbands. It's such a dangerous passage. And I've read that passage, you know, a million times. And I came to this passage that I've read a thousand times. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And it was that, that image of how Jesus washes us with water and cleanses us and forgives us. And, and, I, and the question that hit me is, does my wife experience my presence as this refreshing, forgiving, washing with water reality? And the answer was, no, she does not. She experiences an expectation uh, and an unstated critical attitude. And I got, God, God's voice spoke to me <laughs> through this verse. I got hit so hard. It's like, that is not your wife's experience of you. And I was so convicted. And, but in that same day, God just did, honestly, he did a miracle. Like, God just, he convicted me, and then he freed me. Like, he just, he freed my heart from that, the, the posture I had towards my wife. And I felt it in that moment. It's like this, oh, my gosh. Um, so there's a long story of how I told her. and it, it took about a month. I wanted to, hold, you know, sit on a little bit before I, you know, <laughs> talked about it with her. Just to confirm, you know, that was from the Lord. Uh, and it's a beautiful story that ends up, we're both in tears, and it's been so beautiful, and our relationship is different because of that. But what's been great is she has been set free from a posture that her husband had for, towards her for 12 years, and so have I. And, and I enjoy her now more than I did before. I, I am quicker to think of all the things that made me want to marry her that are still so true about her. And Sabbath is a day to experience that together. It's a day to free your spouse or your roommates from your expectations, from your criticism. It's a day to focus on what you love about them. It's a day to be a presence that is restful and refreshing for them and freeing for them. Amen? And the great thing about Sabbath, guys, is 
All these principles, of course, apply to the other six days. But big principles are hard to implement into our lives. We need tangible ways to get into them. And so uh, this 24-hour period becomes that. It becomes the place where we practice. I can do this. I can stop criticizing for maybe 24 hours, right? Like I can do this. And then, of course, it starts to spill into the other six days. All right, let me just, let's just talk. Uh, we got some parents here. Can we just talk kids for a second? Um, Sabbath is a day to enjoy our children, okay? Adult children, little kids, teens, whatever. Sabbath, in this case, I think with our kids, it is a day to give them rest from our constant attempts to fix and control them, okay? Sabbath is a day to entrust to God, as we do with our work on Sabbath. It's, it's a day to entrust to God the role of saving our children, okay? And I'm not saying that Sabbath is a yes day. You know, I'm not saying stop parenting on Sabbath. Um, but I'm saying give them rest from that, that critical posture. Enjoy them. And I think with kids, it's interesting. With kids, you know, none of us chose our kids, right? Like with the spouse, when you're critical of your spouse, it's kind of like you only have yourself to blame. Like you made that choice, right? Like, you're, you know, you chose this, right? But none of us chose our kids, right? We, we, no, no one chose their constitution, their personality, their interests, their gifts. We didn't choose them. And the truth is a lot of parents don't like a lot of things about their children, we don't say these things out loud, but we wish our kids were different in many ways. And Sabbath is a day to give them rest from that. And it's a day to give ourselves rest from that. It's a day to enjoy our kids exactly as they are and to enjoy the kids that God did give us, not the kids he didn't give us. It's a day for them to experience freedom too. And if we had a lot of kids here, I would say the same to them. Kids, kids, Sabbath is a day to give your parents rest from your constant pushing up against their boundaries and trying to, you know, it's a day for your parents to get rest too. And here's the great thing about the Sabbath in terms of our relationships. Sabbath is an unhurried day. We slow down on the Sabbath. And I would bet parents could attest the times you yell at your kid, the times you call your kids names, the times you say the things, I can't believe I just said that to my kid. 80% of those times it's when you're in a hurry, right? It's when you're trying to get them to do something that they're supposed to be doing, it's not happening fast enough. And Sabbath is an unhurried day to enjoy one another exactly as we are. Receive each other as the gifts that we are. And give one another rest and freedom for 24 hours. All right, let me just finish this off. How about the church family? It's a day, you know, for most of us, Sunday is our Sabbath. Sabbath, this is a day to bring rest and refreshment to one another. It's a day to give each other rest from the status-seeking, achievement-oriented, competitive kind of world we live in. The church is a place where we get to come. Hopefully, we can be this disarming presence for one another, where we, have, we, we let our hair down with one another. We don't try to present that image that Mark talked about, that curated image. No, we get to come in here. Let's give each other rest from that. Let's take a day off from all of that together. Let's have conversations that are honest that are disarming, that aren't just the superficial conversations that happen the other six days, but like that you come away going, oh, that was so good. I had a conversation with someone for five minutes. That was such, such a refreshingly encouraging conversation. We can be that for one another. And then finally, I would just say, um, it's also a day 
to bring rest and, and refreshment and freedom to the larger community around us, right? Sabbath, again, it's an unhurried day. So as you go through your day, have your eyes open. You know, maybe, you know, you're, you're pulling in after church and your neighbor's out in the front yard and you don't have to scramble in because you don't have much to do on a Sabbath. So you have time. I can, I can have relational hospitality with my neighbor. I can have a conversation, see them like Jesus saw people in need. Um, it can be, you know, even at the grocery store, I'm, I'm, I notice somebody and I could slow down enough to, to reach out to them as Jesus would. Or you can get really intentional with this. Maybe you think about a couple days before Sabbath, you think, gosh, who's someone right now who could really use some rest and refreshment? Let's have them over on the Sabbath. Right, let's, let's have them over to dinner uh, this Sunday. It's a day of rest and refreshment for ourselves, but for one another. So that's the question I want to leave you with. How can I bring rest, refreshment, and freedom to those around me on the Sabbath, which is just to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Okay, so... That's three weeks on the Sabbath, and I want to leave you now, uh, as I've done with some of these other postures we've gone through, with a Sabbath challenge, okay, which is kind of an oxymoron, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to nail the Sabbath together, okay? We're going to really, we're going to rest the snot out of the Sabbath, you guys. We're going to do this. Um, here's, here's the invitation. That's a better word. What would it look like for you? Can, you? can you have an imagination for what it would look like for you to make Sabbath a weekly part of your rhythm? Okay, can you, can you imagine what that might look like for you? And um, I want to give you a couple ways to do that, okay? So first, uh, as you go out, there's, there's the little info um, cart out there. I have a just single piece of paper, and it just has some questions for you to reflect on individually or with, you know, who you live with or, or whatever, um, that could just help you think through um, what could Sabbath look like for us? What would it look like to, to kind of unplug for a day, to rest, to be refreshed, to bring refreshment to those around us? So this is just a way for you. I encourage you to pick one up on your way out. This week, reflect on this, talk about it with those you live with, and go, like, let's get, let's get serious about Sabbath. This, maybe there's an invitation here for, for a life that would be better and more refreshing and, and closer to God than what we're living right now, okay? That's the first. Second, on the bottom of this, so this is titled Enjoying God's Gift of Sabbath. So I actually wrote a book on the Sabbath. And this is the first book I've ever written. And for years, people have said, are you ever going to write a book? And my response has always been, if I ever thought I had something to say that someone else hasn't said, I, maybe I would. And I've never thought that. And this was the first time where I feel like I had something to say uh, in a way that hadn't been said before. So um, I wrote this book on the Sabbath. Don't worry. Uh, I'm not making any money off it, so I can promote the snot out of it, okay? So, uh, um, but um, it's like 50 pages. Uh, the subtitle is An Experiential Journey into God's Day of Rest. And what it does is the book um, gives you some Sabbath basics. I mean, you could read the whole thing in 30 minutes, okay? But it, it, it gives you some, some of the things we've talked about over the last three weeks and more. But then what it does is it launches you into five very tangible Sabbath experiments, okay? So it, it, you kind of would carve out five days over the course of a couple months, and it gives you Sabbath experiments. And so each one has its own flavor. There'll be a reflection for the day, a bunch of thoughts, like here's some ways you could kind of enjoy this day. But each day has a, a particular focus, like one will be, how do you experience unhurried time today? One will be, how do you experience freedom? How do you, um, how do you taste and see that the Lord is good through his creation? Each day has its own kind of flavor. And the idea is then, 
if you do this, you'll have five Sabbaths under your belt, so to speak. And then you take it from there and you, you mix and match the ingredients that, that work for you. So I would love for you to, I wrote this for you guys. I'm not trying to write this for the world. Um, and so you can get it in two ways. One is on our website. If you just go to the homepage, you'll see we have those kind of movable images and you'll see it there. And the, the PDF is there for free. Um, so that's an easy way to get it. Or if you if you prefer a bound copy, you can get this on Amazon. It's three ninety nine. Okay, I, I won't make any money out of three ninety nine. Amazon makes that money. Um, but um, you can get it today. You can just Google it. It's, it's enjoying God's gift of Sabbath. But I I made it for you. I'm excited about it. And so I would encourage you to make use of it however you want. And then the last thing is, and I did this with a group of families, some of whom are here this morning. I did this a couple a while ago when I was kind of workshopping this, was if you want a little bit of accountability about Sabbath, and when it comes to like weekly rhythms and daily rhythms, I think having people that hold us accountable or we have something like that's going to make us do it is helpful. So if you want to go through these Sabbath experiments and then just meet up with like four other couples or families or individuals for dinner in like three months after you've gone through this, just to debrief the experience, they'll have you over. Um, we'll talk through what, what worked for you. What did you learn? What was challenging about the Sabbath for you? What do you want to keep doing? What was, you know, how can we encourage one another these things? Um, out there, there's also, you can just sign up your name and email, and uh, we'll get in touch with you and, and connect you with a couple other families for a dinner in like three months once you've had a chance to go through these, okay? So I really, as you can tell, I care about this, and I really do see it as this wonderful, delightful gift that God has given us. So whatever you choose to do, I want to leave you with that invitation. Open the gift. The, the best way to experience the gift is to open it for yourself and to enjoy it. So we've described it in the last three, three weeks, but now it remains for you to actually open it and enjoy it. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, it's so always so good just to see your son in action, uh, even on the Sabbath, to see his heart, his big-hearted love for those in need and the way that he, he so beautifully honors the Sabbath by bringing rest and refreshment to those around him and freedom and healing uh, on, that, on that day of freedom and rest. And so I pray that you would help us, give us a vision for how we can bring rest, bring freedom to those around us on the Sabbath day and how the day can be that for us as well. Uh, we want to enjoy you more. We want to love you more. We want to worship you more. And I think Sabbath is, is one way that we can that is a tangible way we can do that. So I pray your spirit would move in us uh, for whatever you have for each one of us, and there's no right way to do this. So I pray for freedom, but also for inspiration, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.